You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. John chapter 13 tonight is where we're going to be. And uh, if you'll notice on the banner, it's the text on the banner. And uh, we'll be actually starting there this evening, reading a couple verses out of John 13. It provides a springboard thought for our theme this year, and which I, I really am excited about. And I hope that you will be too um, by the end of this. And uh, I, I hope tonight to be able to convey uh, this, this theme in a way that provides some clarity, maybe direction for our church this year. And if nothing else, maybe just um, the way that the Lord has been working in my own heart. Uh, for myself and hopefully then for Eastside as well and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this I hope I can convey it tonight John chapter th- 13 we're going to, going to just read right now two verses 34 and 35 these of course are the words of Jesus Christ and uh, he's actually preparing uh, for his be- for the betrayal of Judas and uh, he's about to uh, to be crucified The end is coming, and uh, listen to what he says in John 13, verse 34 and 35. It says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Let's read those verses out loud together. John 13, verses 34 and 35. Ready? Begin. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Love works. Love works. And there's a double meaning there, and maybe you'll figure it out, but before we get to it, that phrase is more than just two simple words. It has really multiple meanings, but tonight I want to just explain two primary meanings from the text and uh, pray that God would give us some clarity about this thought, love works. Let's pray and ask him to bless our time together. Father, we are grateful for your word. We're thankful that we can open it, that we can read it without fear, that we can trust it, that it's dependable, and that it has everything that we need, all the answers we need pertaining to life and godliness. We're grateful for your word. We pray that you would help us to seek it tonight, the truth that you want from this text, and I believe then apply it as church members, apply it as a church, apply it individually. God, I believe you have a lot of ways for us to live these principles out. And help us to have an open mind and open hearts to what you want for each of us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. John 13 is a a pivotal chapter in the redemption story. It, It begins with the Last Supper before the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. We know that during this last meal that the devil has influenced Judas Iscariot to to betray the Lord. And even though uh, Christ knew what was coming, 
it, the most interesting part of this whole chapter to me is he knows what's coming. Um, and in his last act with all of the disciples present, including Judas, this last act with his disciples before his death, he rises from the table. Of course, they would have sat while eating, but he rises from the table. He takes a towel, he pours water into a basin, and he washes the disciples' feet. I mean, he knows what's coming. He knows the cross is right around the corner. And he knows one of the disciples that are sitting there looking like they're part of the group and, and acting as if everything is okay. He knows that one of his disciples is going to betray him. And yet he takes that basin in the towel and he washes their feet. And after he does it, look what he says in verse 12. Back up in, in chapter 13, verse 12. He says, so after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you. Know ye what I have done to you. In other words, do you know the significance of this act of feet washing? And it wasn't just so they would have clean feet. Now, they probably needed it because they, they walked on dusty roads and they didn't wear shoes like we do. They probably needed it, but that's not Jesus' purpose here. And Jesus is not giving us, by the way, he's not giving us another ordinance to practice in the church. And, and I know enough people that would be creeped out by feet anyway, and you're thankful we don't practice that one. But that's not what he's doing. It wasn't just so they have clean feet. It's not so they could give him a new ordinance. No, look at verses 13 through 15. He says, Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. I am your Master. I am your Lord. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example... I've given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. So he doesn't say, I've given you an ordinance. He doesn't say, I've given you a commandment. He says, I've, I've given you an example. He's giving them the kind of mindset they should have toward each other when he leaves. His purpose is greater than cleaning. He was providing them an example of the kind of spirit they should have with each other. And not just in the act of foot washing. It's an example of a spirit of humility that Christ's disciples ought to have with one another. Look down in verse 16. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. He says, listen, the servant is not greater than his master. Meaning if I, as the son of God, am willing to take a basin and water and a towel and humble myself before other disciples, then there's no reason that you, as a servant, shouldn't be willing to serve others in the same way. And he says, if you're willing to do this, if you're willing to humble yourself, if you're willing to have this kind of a spirit, then he says in verse 17, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Now, I don't think, I, I don't think about being happy washing people's feet. That doesn't make me excited. I don't get excited and happy to think about that. But he says, no, that's not, he's not saying that the act itself of washing feet makes you happy. But humility does something for our contentment. 
It changes our expectations. It gives us a sense of satisfaction as we serve. And he reveals this path to happiness, which is a a way to pattern our life after his example. And then he gets even more specific later. Look down in verses 31 and 32. Therefore, when he, that's Judas, when Judas was gone out, he he had set the ball in motion to betray Jesus. Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. What word do you think Jesus wants to get across in those two verses? Glorified. Glory, glorify. He starts with the concept. You know what he's talking about here? He's talking about the concept of the cross. He says, now is the Son of Man glorified. When Judas left this supper, Jesus knew it set in motion his arrest, his trials, his humiliation, his condemnation, his beatings, his crucifixion, and his burial. All of it was was set in motion when Judas left the room. So when he spoke of being glorified or lifted up, he was referring to the crucifixion. He's referring to the fact that he would be on a cross for all to see lifted up. If I, the son of men, be lifted up, he says. Uh, look Look how many times he calls it glory. Five different times he uses the word glorify. And if the world had described the cross... Uh, it would have used words like humiliating. It would have used words like disgraceful. The world would have described a cross with the word cursed. But Jesus said glorified. Because he knew what it would accomplish for sinners. He knew that this was the only way for man and God to be reconciled together. And so, yes, it looks bad to the world. And yes, it looks disgraceful and humiliating. But really, the cross is glorifying. So he tells them he'll soon go somewhere that they can't follow him. He says in verse 33, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you. So he, he says, I'm about to go somewhere that you won't be able to come. And, and what does he mean? Well, the cross, for one, that was his cross to bear. That was something that only he could do. But then after the cross, he would be ascending to heaven and leaving them behind. I mean, can you imagine how difficult this would have been for them to hear? When he says, my little children, I'm about to go somewhere where you won't be able to go. And these disciples had left everything for Jesus. For, for three years plus, they had followed him every step of the way. And now he's telling them, I'm about to go somewhere you can't go. I'm about to go to a cross. You can't go to the cross. Not the way that I am. I'm about then as well to ascend to heaven in, in a little bit. And you can't go there. You're going to be left here. And the thought flow is important for us to grasp. Jesus is saying, I'm about to go somewhere you can't follow but you're, because your work isn't done. I'm about to leave and my work will be, the Bible says, he says, it is finished. But the disciples' work is not done once Jesus leaves. There's work to still be done. There's a message still to get across. So how does he tell them? He says, basically he's preparing them for life without Jesus. So what does he tell them they'll need to do? What is his first instruction? What is it that he says is the most important thing for you to remember? Well, he says, I have a new commandment for you. It's our text, verses 34 and 35. And essentially he says, you've got to love one another. 
So, okay, well, what does he mean by new commandment? This doesn't sound like a new commandment. It does seem a little bit odd. In Leviticus 19, uh, the Bible says, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Verse 18 reads, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This isn't a new concept. Uh, So bear with me. Follow the thought flow. When we get to the application part, it might be easier to follow. Or maybe not, but just follow, okay? Follow the the thought flow. The Jewish readers had heard this commandment, love thy neighbor as thyself. They'd heard it their whole lives. It's not like hating your brother was allowed in the Old Testament and then he's coming along and changing that. No, loving your neighbor wasn't a new concept, but Jesus calls it a new commandment. What does he mean by that? Why does he call it a new commandment? The Greek word for new isn't so much new as in recent or different. It means fresh. It means refreshed. It, it, or it's, it's like a fresh take on an old concept. It, it's, not a, it's not brand new. It's like he's taken an old concept and he's given it a fresh look. It's new in the sense that the commandment of love had been raised. Here it is. The commandment of, lo- of love had been raised to a new level through the life of Jesus Christ. See, before he says, love your neighbor as thyself. And that, is that easy to do? If it's easy to do, raise your hand. Okay? All right? I didn't think we'd have many takers. To love my neighbor um, as myself, that's a big deal. Well, Jesus is about to take that and give it a new spin. He's about to give us a higher level of love here. See, he's about to say, you're not supposed to just love other people like you love yourself now. Now you're supposed to love people like I love you. And that's totally different. That's a much higher standard. No one had ever displayed love in the way that Christ did. Just consider the chapter. The creator of the universe, the creator of everything that we know and see, has just stood up from washing the disciples' feet. That's the kind of love that our creator has. It's a new commandment. This is different than what they've seen before. We can safely assume that men did not even know what love was until they saw Jesus acting it out. In 1 John chapter 2, John calls it a new commandment as well there. And he says, the true light now shineth. Meaning, we thought we understood love until Jesus came along. And it's like we realized we had been watching love in the dark. But when Jesus came along, he turned on a light and he let us see love for what it really is. It's a totally different kind of love. It's a higher kind of love. It's not like anything you've ever seen before. Jesus turned on the lights for love. And all the vagueness of the law has suddenly become clear. Perfect love is suddenly observable. So he says it's a new commandment and he's not wrong. It's new in that the love that they saw in Jesus was different than the love they'd seen in anyone else ever before. It was totally different. What kind of love did he show? Well, a servant-minded spirit of humility. A willingness to wash their feet. I mean, he's the master. What kind of love did he show? He showed a desire to meet the needs of other people. What kind of love did he show? Compassion for lost souls. He stood and wept when he saw them. What kind of love? Well, he showed a, a willingness to be inconvenienced for strangers all the time. They, the disciples had plans. They're like, we got to get where we're going. we got to get to this place. And, and some woman who nobody else would give the time of day touches the hem of his garment. And he stops everything. And he gives her time. 
That's the kind of love that Jesus Christ is showing. It's a brand new love. He's turned the lights on love. And ultimately, in the greatest act of love of all time, he's about to be glorified. He's about to go to a cross and die so that sinners that don't deserve it could have eternal life. That's the kind of love that Jesus has. This wasn't like any love that the world had ever seen. So what's the point he's making here? Well, he's just admitted that he's going somewhere they can't follow, which means they're going to be left behind. But the world still needed to see Christ's love because they had never seen anything like it before. They needed to see what love looks like. But if Jesus is gone, how are they going to see it? Well, it, it, who's going to continue to love like he did? Well, I hope the answer is becoming clear. The torch of this kind of radical love was being passed to his disciples. Look how Jesus describes love. He says in verse 34, A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Well, what is it? What is the love? Well, he says, love one another. The first application was to his disciples that they should love one another. You know, I, I think sometimes we forget that step. It's pretty easy for us to say, yeah, we love the lost and we want to reach the lost and we want to tell them about Jesus. But when we come to church, we're like, they're sitting in my seat again. Well, no, the first application to love like Jesus loved is with each other. See, who are we to think that we can go out there and pretend to show love to people that are strangers and we can't even shake each other's hands in church? I, listen, I'm not saying that's, a, that's actually happening, um, but there's a hypothetical church out there somewhere where it probably is. I'm thankful it doesn't happen at Eastside. But if it ever does, we've lost sight of the kind of love Jesus says we should have. It starts at home. It starts with each other. And Eastsider, there should be nobody that you can't go up and talk to and carry on a conversation with. There should be nobody that you carry sense, a sense of bitterness or unforgiveness toward. We should start with love right here, right at home. There should be no place where love is more evident than among a gathering of people that follow Jesus. A big part of that is because we have the perfect example of love. Like, this is how Jesus loved, so this is how I'm going to love. Well, how? How does he say we love? Well, he says, as I have loved you. This is where it starts to get stepped up. Because I'm not just loving somebody like I love myself. I'm loving somebody like Christ loved me. And I'm telling you, that's a totally different kind of love. That's sacrificial and it's, and it's unconditional. And it goes to a lengths that I would never think I could go for somebody. It's with humility. It's with compassion. It's with sacrifice. It's the cross. Notice one thing. Christ's example of love wasn't just emotion. When he says love like I loved you, he's not, he's not crying and saying this is how you should love each other. You should just have emotion and, and you should just have all the feels all the time. No, how does he love us? He loves us, us with works, with actions. He says the son of man is about to be glorified. You guys need to love like, like I love you. 
I'm about to give my life for you. That's how you're supposed to love. It's not all the feels. It's not just emotion. It's not just feeling something. No greater love hath no man than this, that a man gets super emotional about his friends. That's not what he says. I mean, the world thinks that's love. The world thinks love is all the feels and, and, and you know, goosebumps and, and just, you know, feeling really good. No, Jesus says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down what? His life for his friends. Love is not just how you feel. Love is what you do. Love works. See, according to Jesus' example, love is lived out in a visible way. Well, why? Because he says, by this, this is how all men are going to know that you're my disciples. Is if you have this kind of sacrificial love. Our love toward each other convinces those without that we are with Jesus. Our love convinces them that there's something different about us. And I say, I know there is something different about us. But I don't just mean that. I mean there's a different kind of love. Not just emotion. Not just the feels. Not just sentiment. Not, the, not just nostalgia. The world can't see emotion. They can't measure sentiment. So how, are they, how do they know that we are Christ's disciples? What's going to convince them of our love? What's going to convince them that we are who we say we are? Well, I think it's pretty clear. Our works of love will convince the world that we follow Jesus. So how could we summarize these verses? Love works. You know, and it's a play on words. And there are two meanings, and both of them are true. From the text. If I was to describe the first meaning of love works, I would say it like this if we are Christ's disciples and we love him as we should, it's going to be evident in our actions. If an apple tree is healthy and in the right conditions are present, it will bear fruit and it won't bear pears. And it's not going to bear peaches, and it, it's not going to bear um, uh, anything else except apples, not oranges, not cherries. If it's an apple tree, it will bear apples. If you are a disciple and you love like you should, you're going to bear fruit. It will be evident in your works. True disciples will reveal themselves through their works of love. Listen, you cannot love and not have it show up in your actions. No, I preached a message a couple years ago. Nothing says disciple like love. Nothing says disciple like works of love. 1 Corinthians 13, what does it say? Is the greatest of all the commandments? It's charity. 1 John 2, 5, but whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. So the idea, I'll say that again. But whoso keepeth his word, God's word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. So as you obey God's word, it proves that God's love is perfected in you. So we obey, our love is perfected or matured, it's revealed. Hereby know we that we are in him. Love works. It will be evident. 1 John 5, 2 says, by this we know that we love the children of God. How? When we love God and keep his commandments. Love works. If you truly love as you should, it's going to show up in how you live. Listen, and this is true in other relationships too. It's true in a marriage. If you say you love, you don't live like you love. You don't act like you love. Then a judgment can be made 
about whether or not you love. Not trying to be judgmental. But if a husband says he loves his wife, but he doesn't treat her like he loves her, we can make a judgment about his love. And so as disciples, are you following? As disciples, if we say we love God, but our works don't back it up, not trying to be judgy, but a judgment can be made. If there are not works evident in a disciple's life, then a judgment can be made about his love because love works. If you truly love as you should, it's going to show up in how you live. That's the first meaning. But the second meaning of love works, a little play on words. It's found in verse 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. See, if the first love works, means that love will show up in our actions. The second meaning is this. Authentic love will convince the world of who we are. In other words, we see a lot of people, a lot of people will try to convince the world through a lot of things. They'll convince them through, you know, just through trendiness or, or you know, trying to be a friend or, you know, just, just trying to do what they do so they feel comfortable. And, I mean, and, and just, you know, there's a lot of methods out there. But, you know, only one method works, truly, according to verse 35. You want to convince people that you're a true disciple? You know what works? Love works. So love is the only true, according to Jesus, the one true authentic convincer that we are who we say we are is love. Love works. When it comes to convincing your neighbor that you're a disciple, you know what works? Love works. When it comes to convincing your fellow employee that you genuinely follow Jesus, you can talk all you want to, but you know what will truly convince them? Love will work. See, remember, the world has never seen love like Christ. So if there's a group of people exhibiting sacrificial, humble uh, love with each other and with the world like nobody's ever seen, they won't be able to look away. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. And I, I was afraid that maybe some people might say, well, you're really kind of, this is a works-based theme. No, it's a love-based theme. If it was a work-based theme, our theme would just be works. No, but it starts with love, which means it's the right order. Because the, the order is that it's internal. We love as we should. And then the external comes because we love as we should. It's not a works-based theme, it's, it's, it's a love-based theme. And the works are just evident that the love is there. Listen, if you want to convince others that you're Christ's and you're his disciple and you love him the most in your life, love works to do that. Love's not just something you feel. It's something you see. It's lived out in works. The world says love is infatuation and emotion, but the Bible says love is revealed through works. The Bible says love is, is revealed when we keep God's commandments. It's a choice. You prove your love with your works. And as a result, the world sees it. And remember, love's not just something you feel, it's something you see. Love works. Nothing is more convincing to the world that we are who we say we are than our works of love. Love works when it comes to convincing others. 
So how do we apply, apply this? Well, your works reveal what you love. Your time spent during the week. That reveals your priorities. The, the way that you spend your money. That reveals what is important to you. And there may not be a, a more clear indicator. The Bible says, what about that? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There may not be a more clear indicator of someone what someone loves than how they spend their money and how they spend their time and how they spend their resources. If there's a choice between work and God's house, I'm just we're just going to go through this. If there's a choice between work and God's house, whatever wins, that reveals what matters the most to you. If there's a choice between family time and being in God's house, that reveals what's most important to you. The, I, I'm simply saying that your works are revealers of what you, you love. Your works tell the story of your heart. You can say all you want that you love this or you love that. We can say, and I'm not just saying you, I'm saying all of us. It's true for all of us. We can talk and we can say what we want, but our works are the true revealers. What you love will work itself out. And if someone was to determine what you love the most based on your works, what conclusion would they come to based on your works this week? See, it's, it's connected to the second application too because the evidence of your works will either convince others that you love God the most or not. So how do we apply this then? Well, if we, if we want to be convincing to the world that we are disciples and we want to prove who we love the most, then our love should be reflected in our works. We've established that. Well, well what does is, what is love works look like? Well, there are some categories of love works that I'd like to focus on tonight. Maybe as you walked in, you saw in the foyer that we've got some, some uh, signs on the wall. And those signs say they have the theme, they have love works, and then they have different areas in which love will work. You know, you've got areas that, that it, listen, if we say we love, it will be evident in our willingness to work. What about some personal works? This is the first category I, was, I, thought, about, I thought about. And what about ministries? I mean, ways that God might want you to personally serve in your local church. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to burst a bubble or anything tonight. But God didn't just put you here to, to warm a pew. He puts, in, in the same way that he puts every part of a body together to function in a certain way. Every one of us has a function. We have a role. God placed us here to work. God placed us here to serve. And there are plenty of areas in our church that we could use some love works. We need some help in certain areas. And we need help in some established areas. I mean, I think about our Sunday school classes. And I, and I hear from teachers from time to time how, how you know, sometimes it's just... It's just them and they don't have a helper and they're trying to figure out what to do because our, 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 our rules say that you've got to have two people in the room. And, and I'm just wondering, well, where, are, where are the helpers? Why, why can't we, in a church this size, why can't we have a teacher and a helper in every room? We could definitely use some more 
people to, to help with the junior church rotation and be in Sunday school classes. We could use more teachers and more workers in children's ministry. Listen, I'm just going to ask you this question and I'm going to set you up. I'm telling you up front at least. Do you, do you love children? Do you love the fact that children come to Eastside? If you do, raise your hand. Okay, and those that didn't raise your hand, you're just Scrooge, okay? <laughs> if you love children and you love the fact that they come to Eastside Baptist Church, then I'm just going to say it this way. Maybe it's time to put your works where your love is. Because we say we love having children. We say we love having children's ministries. And if you, if you have children in the children's ministries, you know how much of a blessing it is. I mean, my son comes home and tells me about the lessons that he's learned and what they're doing and, and you know, who hit who. And it's great. I love the, the, the play-by-play is great. I love the fact that people minister to my son. I love the fact that children come to Eastside. I love Eastside. I, I, I even love serving. Well, maybe it might be time for some of us to put our works where our love is. Because love works. In the nursery, I, you know, I've been here coming on three years. I'm not sure there's an area that's been harder to recruit than the nursery. And listen, I get it. It's not easy. And yet, we love that we have children here. We love that our families are growing. We'd all raise our hand for that. Unless you're, you know, you're one of the ones whose family's growing and you weren't ready for it. So, <laughs> surprise. We love that. We're, I'm thankful for it. I'm also thankful that we have people willing to stay in the nursery and watch our children so our focus can be on the Lord. Because not all children are, are ready to sit in here and give people just, you know, the, the room to have their focus and attention on the word of God. I love both of those things. I love all of that. Well, if we say we love it, maybe it's time to put our love, our works, where our love is. Because love works. I think about the choir and the orchestra. I, I love the music at Eastside. I love the choir. I love that we have an orchestra going. You know, we're always looking for people that play instruments or, or can sing in the choir. You know, that, and the two words, most important words in that are can sing, you know. If you love music and you love praising God, and you can be faithful to practice... Maybe it's time to put your works where your love is. We've got some areas that are somewhat established but could use some help and direction. You know, for, for instance, I think of our greeters at, out here and, and I, I call it, I, I, in my own head, I think of that as our first impressions team. Because, you know, outside the building there's a certain impression and I'm thankful for the guys that mow and I'm thankful for the ones that take care of the things outside. I'm thankful for the snow removal guys. That's huge. I'm very thankful. But when they walk in the door, they also have a first impression. And, and that first impression is the people standing there, their faces. That's, that's the first thing that people think when they think Eastside. And yet there's been plenty of times um, where right before a service or in between services, I go out there and guests are coming in and there's nobody there to greet them. And I'm thinking, you know, if our first impression is, oh, hey, we wanted, want you to know that we want you here, but we're not going to have anybody there to greet you when you walk in the door. That's, that can be a problem. 
And, and I'm thankful that we're, we're slowly building that. We've got people out there a lot of times now, and it's a blessing. But you know what we need? We need somebody to champion that cause. We need somebody to say, no, my heart is I want people, when they walk into the building, I want them to know we love that they're here. I want them to see that we're excited that, that they're here. I want, I want to be able to, to say, we, we, we have this sign-in for your children. We're excited your kids are here. If you sign in there, we'll take you where you need to go. While you're doing that, fill out this guest card right now and turn it in. We'll give you a, we'll give you a gift, and then we'll take you where you need to go. We're so glad you're here. That's, what, that's a first impression that I can get behind. And we need somebody that will champion the cause of our greeter ministry, our first impressions team. It sounds so fancy, but you know what I mean? It is. It's the first impressions. You know, I, we, I'm thankful for people. I love having guests. I'm grateful for guests. Do you love it when guests come to Eastside? Amen. Amen. Well, maybe it's time to put your works where your love is and say, I'm going to be faithful. We need people to be out there between Sunday school and, and the main service and just let people know we're happy they're here. I mean, just somebody to say, let's do this the best we can. Let's, let's make sure the guest bags are stocked. And let's make sure that, 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 we, that we're, we've got the answers for the questions where their kids go. And, and we want somebody to know we love the fact that they're here. And, and not only that, I mean, I can see first impressions being out there. But then when they walk around the, the, the corner, um, either side, that we've got a couple um, standing at every door right here. And they're walking in thinking, man, I can't get away from these people. No, I'd rather have that than them say, is this a ghost town? Tumbleweeds blowing by? No, I, I'd love to have a, a couple at every door saying, listen, uh, we want you in here. We want you to come in and, and hey, there's seats right over here. And, and if you want, you can sit by us. Like to me, that's the kind of first impression that, that I want people to think of when they come to Eastside Baptist Church. We need somebody to champion that cause. Somebody that says, I'm going I'm to do this the best that we can because I want to put my works where my love is. I'm ready to get back to regular offerings with ushers. But we need a man to take ownership and make sure that we've got ushers in place every time we receive an offering or every time we have to hand something out. A man that says, you know, this is my ministry and I want to do it the best it can be done. I'll, I'll run with this. I'll build this. I'll make sure this guy's in place, that they're ready and they're excited and they might even smile while they take your money or something like that, you know? You know, uh, if, you, if you love the thought of that, put your works where your love is. I hope to have a more, eventually, a more organized plan for security. There doesn't seem to be a problem, you know, there's no shortage of men willing to throw down if necessary, you know? There also is not a shortage of men that will look for any excuse they can to walk the hallways instead of be in church. But I'm not, I won't talk about that. Okay. Sometimes I'm like, the party's out there. Let's go out there. Okay, we'll move on. Okay. No security. You know, we need to organize it better. Because we live in a day and age where we're going to need that eventually, probably. And, and we've got guys that are trained and you could do that and you could help with that. Hey, love works. Put your works where your love is. Get involved. We've got two very, very important new ministries coming up. And we need some people to help. The cleaning ministry is one of them. You know, we're moving into a new phase in which we can, we, 
we're taking ownership of our building, which to me, I, I, I think that's what we need to do. Church our size, we should have plenty of people to help. We're going to need maybe five or six crews or five or six individuals that are willing to give time every week, sometimes and usually twice a week, to make sure that God's house is ready for our services and ready for the Lord's Day. God's given us this beautiful building, and I think that we should be the ones being stewards of that building. If you love how our building reflects the holiness and magnitude of God, do you love how our building reflects the whole, and you're like, man, I'm not getting roped into this. No, do you love how our building reflects the holiness and magnitude of God? If you do, raise your hand. You know what? I do too. I'm all about it. I love it. Well, put your works where your love is. Families can do this ministry together. I can't tell you how many hours of our lives in, in, on, in, on church staff or in ministry we've spent cleaning with our children telling you it's something they can do and I mean, they can run a vacuum and they can you know you can help teach them I mean and then moms it's a double it's a double blessing because then they'll be more prepared to clean your house when you need them to I mean, invest in the things that matter the most but we need some help we're going to need some help and otherwise brother Samuel was going to clean all week that's his one job so if everyone has an area to focus on, and you've got this area, and you've got this one, you've got this one, and we have five or six crews working during the week, it's not going to require too much. But love will have to work. Another area of need is men's prayer meeting. It, it's been awesome, by the way. 40-plus guys every week at 745 on Sundays. You know what? A group of ladies that comes here every Sunday morning to get breakfast ready for us. And it's been a blessing. But here's my vision for it. Is that we don't just have one crew of ladies. We've got two or three crews of ladies that can rotate. And maybe one crew does a month or two months on. And they get a two or three months off. And then we've got another crew of ladies that comes in. And they do the same thing these other ladies were doing. But for a time they're giving that, those other ladies a break. And that way not one crew feels like they're being overwhelmed. Listen, we've got a lot of ladies that, I mean, that, that you, you, can, you can work your way around the kitchen. You can help with gravy and, and biscuits. And, and listen, if you can make crispy bacon, that's the only qualification we have. That's it. Crispy bacon, that's the one thing. No, but we have ladies that love to be hospitable. You love to help prepare food. And so the men can come here and start the day on Sunday in prayer. I'm telling you, it's worth it. And it's valuable. And it's helpful. And if you want our services to be bathed in prayer and start the day with prayer. And you love that idea. Ladies, put, maybe it's time to put your work where your love is. You don't have to do it year round. Maybe just we just do maybe two months on and then you get three or four months off. I'm telling you, the ladies, I hear them laughing and giggling, and they're having a great time in there. It's, it's, it's important. What about discipleship? We still need help in discipleship. Put your works where your, where your love is. Scripture binding. You know, we have this wonderful equipment back here. And it, it cuts and staples John and Romans, and, and we need to make a transition. Brother Doug just isn't in a place to do that anymore, but we need somebody that will champion that cause. 
I mean, you're liter- think about what you could do. You're, you're literally printing the gospel and making it prepared so that it can get into the hands of lost people. Do you love the lost? Maybe it's time to put your works where your love is. And we've got the equipment. Let's, let's print a bunch of John and Romans and put them in people's hands. You know, the African church, the Falls International, they're going to start using it one night a week. As I was saying, well, we're not using it very much. So let's, let's let somebody use it. Listen, I'd love to have a crew or team of people that come in, even if it's just once or twice a month, and just cut and staple scriptures so that somebody somewhere can re- get a John in Romans and maybe be saved. I mean, that's important work. I have a heart to see lots of stuff that I, I'd love to see our, uh, a plan uh, weekly for maybe widows and our shut-ins. For somebody to visit them and, and take time. We have, the Austins do a good job with those things. But listen, we, we have, that's something just about all of us could do. Is just take one, one or two nights a, a month and go visit those ladies and and those men who can't get around any, as much anymore, or maybe they're lonely, and just minister to them. You know, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. What did he have to gain by that? Not a lot. But I'm telling you, there's something special um, about you meeting the needs of somebody who just wants to talk to somebody. And there's no reason a church this size, we couldn't all give a couple nights a month and go visit somebody that, that needs a friend. What personal area does God want you to get involved in? You know, listen, God loves his church. The Bible says that Jesus Christ loves the church and he gave himself for it. That's how he loves the church. Well, you know what? We just read in John 13 that we're supposed to love like Jesus loves. And if he loved the church like that, then we ought to be willing to love the church like that. To give ourselves for this local body to give sacrificially, to be a blessing and be all in and put our works where our love is and get personally involved. But it's not just on a personal level. There's there's a public level too. Because verse 35 says, by this shall all men know. That's a public arena right there. That means that our works and our love isn't just happening within these four walls, that there's something taking place outside of these walls that other people can see. Yeah, love starts among disciples, but if it's meant to convince all, we have to take our love outside these walls. Listen, I'd love to see every member of Eastside that loves souls take and distribute just five tracks a week. And we, you know, sometimes we don't take any. We might go weeks on end without thinking of it. But if every person in our church just took five tracks a week, you know how many people we could have a conversation about the gospel with? I mean, as a church, if we've got... 150 or so in here tonight and we all took five and we handed it out that's 750 people that we could talk to about Jesus this week and I mean it could be that we all go through the same line at Walmart and she's got a big stack but hey she God's trying to get her attention you know but if we could just say we love works if I love lost souls and, and, and I want to be involved in the Great Commission. and So five tracks a week, boy, that's not hard. Well, maybe put our works where our love is. Visitation, follow-up visitation. We have enough guests coming that it's beyond a couple of people to keep in touch with all of them. 
My desire is that someone has a heart to keep track of every guest and, and works a process that every name goes through a process until it's clear they're a, they're a prospect or they're not. Does anybody have a heart for that? Well, love works. Who's willing to do it? I'd love to see us take a loaf of bread or a plate of cookies to every guest's family that fills out a card on a Sunday. And that first week, we just arrange it that, that we take something to them. Not to go follow up necessarily, but just to go say, thank you for coming. And listen, we just want to say thank you for being here. We, we have people that you, know, you like, like to bake and you, you're good at baking and you could do that. Well, let's put our works where our love is. Maybe we could find somebody, a way to reach out to the new move-ins here in Sioux Falls. And I'm telling you, they're coming in in droves. Thousands of people. If someone wants to do the work and find a list and find a way to find out who's moving in, then I say, let's do it. Love works. Who's going to put their works where their love is? The bus ministry, we're, we're, we're going eventually to get that going. We had a meeting, we had a lot of interest, and in it. it's going to resume as soon as we have the right buses. But once we have vehicles, I'm just wondering, will there be people to put their works where their love is? We can say we're excited, but it will be apparent by our works. And I, I want to do Bible school this year. I, I, love, when, when, I love Bible school. It's my, one of my favorite weeks of the year, and and we haven't done one in a couple of years. We, you know, listen, I love when kids come and I love when families come as a result of their kids coming. But many people have expressed, hey, we love Bible school. We want to be involved in it. And, but I wonder, will we have enough help to help to staff every class with teachers and helpers and crafts and snacks? Because if you don't have snacks at Bible school, you're going to have an uprising. It's not allowed. So, but will we have help? No, we'll have to put our work where our love is. When we have outreach, we'll find out where our love is. Because there will be works where love is. And if we're going to convince all men, listen, there are a lot of events in our city, community events. This is so much happening in Sioux Falls all the time. And if we love our church and we believe in this book and we believe that this message is what people need, there's no reason for our church not to have a presence in some of these community events. Part of my reason for choosing this theme. It was just thinking about our presence in the community. And, and for the most part. Except for the teens doing door hangers. And, and individuals handing out tracks. Maybe people driving by the building. Or people walking their dog on our church property. We have very little presence in Sioux Falls. I'd love to see that change. I'd love for people to recognize our name and see us involved in our community. And, and, and not, not for any reason except just to be in the community. Now, I'm not saying that we trade gospel work for social work. That's not it. I'm saying that we get our name out there. And we let people know if they have a need, you can come to Eastside and we'll, we'll try to help you. We, we want to be a friend. We want, we want you to know we love you. I mean, community events, and, you know, I've been involved in things, um, you know, like cancer walks and, and, uh, and, and county fairs. And I, 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 my wife and I will go down at times to the, to the trail, and, and they're having a big 5K run or 10K run. And, and, and you can tell because people are passing out on the sidewalk. And, 
And, you know, and I just thought, well, what if somebody on Saturdays, just every, every couple Saturdays, goes down there with a cooler full, full of water bottles and just has a church sticker on it and just hands a water bottle to somebody free of charge. It's just letting our community know we're not in it for us. We just want to be a blessing to you. No, why, why, can't, we, why can't we work it out to get a group of people and every quarter or so uh, take, take some gifts or some snacks or something to a local fire station or or, or I mean, Brother Juan's been, been doing um, work with the police force. And, and, uh, and, you know, why couldn't we just let our local law enforcement know we love them and we're thankful for them? And Lord knows they need to hear that right now. And every once in a while, just say, you know, we're going to get a group together and we're going we're gonna to do something for the, our firehouse. We've got one right around the corner now. Just be a blessing to them. Not for any reason, except just to let them know we're thankful for them. If they never come to Eastside and never step foot in the door, that's what we want. But, but if they never do, we're okay with that because we just want to let them know we love them. That's what I'm talking about, love works. Because if, if we work and our love will be evident in our community, I'm telling you, when it comes time and they've got a need and they need to talk to somebody and they, they say, we need to go to church. Well, you know what? Eastside gave me a water bottle down by the running trail one day. It's like, what about that church? Let's try them out. And we planted a seed. Love works. It convinces them that we're not just in it for us. We're in it for them too. Just a presence. Just to be there. Just to have conversations. And we're going to make some things available. And maybe some t-shirts and some hoodies and something, you know, church stuff. And yard signs. And we're going to wait till after winter maybe to do that one. But... Yard signs and vehicle stickers. Now that's a dangerous one for some of you. You're going to have to remember that your sticker on your window says Eastside Baptist Church. That's going to be a, a, a shift in thinking for some of you. Okay. Fortunately, you're moving so fast it's just a blur anyway. They probably can't read it. Just to get our name out there. But really the best way for us just to be in the community... And, and just to say we love Sioux Falls and let's put our works where our love is. We've got projects coming up. We've got the roof to do in a few months. I'm telling you, we're going to find out if, if we've got love for this place like we should based on who's willing to help with that. We say we love the Lord in his house. We're going to find out when it comes time to put our works where our love is. As other projects come up, our love should work. What will your works reveal about your love? As we make an effort to focus on increasing our building fund and, and in making improvements here, we're going to have to put our works where our love is. And there's no more obvious revealer, I already said it, of the heart than, than what we do with our treasure. Love works. But works reveal where our heart is. Will you be willing to give when it comes time? What if it's a sacrificial offering, something for the building? Listen, these are, there are countless areas in I just want you to consider how your love should work in 2022. What areas do you think that God would have you contribute this year? Do you have an area of contribution right now? You say, well, I've got all these ideas, but what are you doing right now? And if you're not doing anything, what does that say about your love? Because love works. What do your works say about your love? And how well do your works convince other people that you love Christ above everything else? Because your works tell a story. They tell your heart's story. 
They reveal who you are and what you love. And so my challenge tonight to you is this. Why don't you commit first to love what you should? And then second, decide that 2022 is the year you put your works where your love is. And I don't know about you, but it seems to me that Eastside and Sioux Falls are coming together at an intersecting point. And by that, I mean the growth. I mean, just look around us. And just look at, think about the growth in all the houses and, I mean, the cranes and apartments. The largest apartment complex, I think, in the state is going right over there across 41st Street. On 20, across the road on uh, Veterans off 26, the largest, another large apartment complex. Houses going in there, houses going in all around us. Um, when, once they complete Highway 11, Veterans Parkway, it's going to eventually go all the way down to 29. And from what I read, there'll be 55,000 cars a day driving right by our church. Love works. We better capitalize. You know, and, and listen, this is not to grow our church. This is because we love people. And this is a community full of good people, but many of them are not saved. They don't know the Lord. And I'm thinking about the opportunities that we have and the ones that are coming our way and how the Lord is bringing all these things together. And I feel, I for one feel like God has brought us to this point for such a time as this. And if we don't capitalize on our opportunities, what's keeping God from giving those opportunities to somebody else? Listen, I want to make a difference. I want to leave a mark. I want to reach people and, and disciple people and leave them better than I found them. So where's a good place to start? What could I do in 22? And that was fancy. You know what I can do? I can love how I'm supposed to love. And I can turn that love into works. Why? Because love works. So why don't you commit to let your love work this year? Why don't you just say, God, I have not been doing very much. I've kind of been sitting, kind of been in the background. And I think I love what I'm supposed to, but based on the evidence, I'm not sure. So God, this year, I want to get involved. And after the service, we're going to give you an opportunity. Um, and listen, it's not, not a binding contract. We just want to know what you're interested in. Because if love works, there's going to be something out there that you can do. You say, well, I, I can't do much, but I could, I could visit widows twice a month. There's not much I can do, but I mean, I can bake a loaf of banana bread for somebody to take to a first-time guest. Uh, I don't know if I can do very much, but I, I can go along. When the bus ministry starts, I can just go along on visitation with the bus captain and just be an encouragement. Hopefully get free lunch out of it, you know. Selfless. No, I'm telling you, there's something back there for you. There's something. You say, well, I, you know, I don't have a lot of mobility anymore, and I'm not sure I can do it. Listen to printing ministry. I mean, you can maybe even sit in a chair and cut. I don't know. I mean... Just thinking, there's, there's ways to get involved. But if, if you love like you should, it's going to show up in your works. So what kind of works do you want God to use in your life 
in 2022 to make a difference through Eastside and in your community. Because I think it's time that maybe some of us got off the sidelines and jumped in the game. Because we say we love, but if there are no works, then you might start to question how genuine and real and serious your love really is. What do you think that God wants you to do in 2022 with love works? Let's stand together. We're going to bow our heads and have a verse of invitation tonight. I want to encourage you uh, to sing along the invitation this evening. But let's, let's do business with God. Listen, I, I do think that we're at a point where these things are crossing these intersections of our church and, and Sioux Falls and this area. Man, I don't want to miss the opportunities. I don't want to look back and say, boy, we really should have capitalized and we didn't. And it's going to start if we love what we're supposed to and how we're supposed to. And then we work it out. That our works in response to our love. I think that's where God wants us to make a difference in 2022. Would you be willing to be on board? Would you be willing to commit to letting your love work? And proving your discipleship, but also convincing those around you that this is real for you and you're committed. However the Lord wants to work, I'm going to pray, and then we'll have a verse of invitation. Father, we thank you for this truth, and I thank you for the attention of your people. pray that you bless, uh, bless our response. Help us to respond as we should, and help us not to just hear it and not do. Help us to think about ways that you want us to get involved this year, and, and to go back and put our name on a couple of lists and think, you know what, this is a step of faith, but I want to be involved. I think God could use me in this area or that area. God, help us to be willing to put our works where our love is. Have your will and way work in us as you desire. Help us to be submissive and open to your plan for each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. 